But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this, this is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> you know, several years ago, back and we finally decided it was 2007. 2007, I had my friend Dave Higdon, been, we'd been buddies for a long time, and I'd been listening to his podcast, and I said, why don't you guys come and do one here at Sun and Fun? They came out midweek, did a two-hour show on a, a Wednesday or a Thursday evening. They, uh, the next year, that year at, uh, I think it was still Oshkosh back then, it might have been Air Venture, but they were, they, you know, Air Venture, Oshkosh, EAA heard them on Sun and Fun Radio and said, wow, that's really cool. And they came to them and said, hey, we'd like you guys to do two. So they went up and they did a beginning of the week and an end of the week wrap up. The next year they came back to Sun and Fun Radio and did the same thing. Opening night and closing day morning wrap up. And uh, they just kind of opened up. They were the, the first aviation podcast that really took off, became really popular, and started a string of aviation podcasts out there. And uh, these are the guys that started it all, and it was running jokes back and forth about voices in head and everything else. So it is time for me to turn control of the Sun and Fun Radio deck over to the voices in your head, Jack Hodgson, Dave Higdon, and Jeb Burnside, and the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast. Take it away, guys. Thank you, David, and welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We are back again to one of our favorite places on Earth. We are on location on the grounds of the 2013 Sun and Fun Fly-In. And once again, we are the guests of Sun and Fun Radio, and uh, we are on their front deck uh, overlooking the uh, Fly-In Exhibits area here uh, on the final day of Sun and Fun 2013. And uh, I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm here with uh, my two good friends. Uh, Dave Higdon is here, and Jeb Burnside is here. How you doing, guys? Doing well. Doing well. Ha- glad to be here on the deck again. Yeah. yeah. It's closing day, and it's hard to believe that we were just doing this Tuesday, and it was opening day. I know. The week goes by, huh? I've always discovered that the first couple of days are slower, and then the week accelerates as, as, uh, as time goes on, as the days go by. And the last couple of days are just, just zoom, zoom. It doesn't hurt or help or whatever that, uh, that I had to escape for a couple of escapes, a bad word, but I had to, uh, to go away for a couple of days to, uh, to uh, uh, earn, a, earn a paycheck. But, uh, but I raced on back, and I've been here for a couple of days now after being here for the first two of the week so uh yeah it's it's been an interesting week it's uh it's uh, sun and fun flying and so uh, on one base level it's uh, it's always terrific and always a lot of great things going on and great friends to visit with but uh, let's talk for a few minutes about sort of the overview of of what uh, sun and fun 2013 has been all about um first of all uh we are notorious for talking about weather so let's just talk about the weather for a second i think the weather was a non-story this year um uh, and we had that little storm a few nights ago that uh, put a ch- put a little bit of a damper on things, and but it held down a lot of the dust. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a couple of mornings of low overcast that have given way to ceilings high enough that nobody's had to do their low show during the air show performance. So that's been nice. Yeah, yeah. Weather broke up uh, nicely enough for the two night shows. So. You know, uh, into every life, a little rain must fall, and that's true here and at Oshkosh both. You got to get at least one 
Yeah, we've had the whole the whole gamut. We've had beautiful blue sky days, and uh, we, it's overcast today on on closing afternoon. It's just about it's twelve thirty in the afternoon here for those listening on the stream later on, and uh, it's uh, it's a little bit overcast, but it's pretty high. Uh, uh, the wind is basically well, it's not quite calm, but it's very very gentle winds. And uh, I would just see we're just watching airplanes fly by uh, on uh, runway nine right now. Uh, and uh, or over runway nine, I should say, and uh, it's uh, and there's a, a fair number of attendees here on the grounds uh, visiting the uh, outdoor exhibit areas, which we're looking at off of the deck here. And uh, I was in the uh, exhibit halls this morning. They were telling me that uh, things were a little bit quieter today, but that they felt that the week was was very strong and, and uh, exhibit wise, very very happy with the the way things have have gone throughout the week. Has that been your impression too, David? You've been here all week long. The crowds have been good. The campgrounds been. F- very busy. The airplane parking's been very full. They did so many changes to the grounds here that it spread the crowd out a little bit differently. Uh, and uh, we heard from lights a couple of days ago that uh, attendance through that point was up a little bit from last year. Um, the folks doing business, they seem to be pretty happy that they were here. I've heard several say that they were having their best uh, year in four or five years here. So, uh, you know, it's not shooting off the scale it's not sky bursting rockets or anything like that but it's trending in the right direction yeah. were those air framers or uh um other vendors saying that it's kind of across the board job uh i had one lsa uh, uh manufacturer tell me that he's trying to figure out how to uh we would call them white tails in other parts of the industry to inventory more unsold stock because People want to buy his airplane when he doesn't have one that he can deliver that week. They very often go on to somebody else. I was talking to another Part 23 manufacturer this morning. He sold out last year. He says he's going to sell out this year. Uh, And he's looking at how he can uh, ratchet things up just a little bit more Mm -hmm. as well. Some of the avionics folks, uh, they're having some strong sales. ADSB and next gen is pushing some of that, but not all of it. Some of it's just folks updating older equipment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a lot of airplane manufacturers represented here. Um, two notable examples have little or no presence here this year. Uh, Cessna, surprisingly, um, has a very low profile here this year, and uh, Cirrus is not here at all. Uh, any, any thoughts on on either of those? Does that mean anything, or is it just? I don't. I don't think it means anything except uh, things are tough all over, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it affects the big boys as well as the little boys. Yeah, um, you know, Cessna, Cirrus, both. You know, if they had a new airframe or uh, something like that that they wanted to make a big splash up, you bet they'd be here. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, and Cessna sent a couple of airplanes through its dealers, and they did have their turbo diesel prototype experimental prototype here on display for a day it did a little hot weather test box checking and then went back to wichita uh but uh jeb's right things are tight uh when you're doing r&d you got to preserve your resources and put them where they're most effective for you and that's some of what i think we've seen yeah, my understanding is that the Sun and Fun folks have announced that the crowds were uh, more than in past. It was a good crowd from their their perspective, and uh, so uh, you know. I and and I think you sort of alluded to this that that one of the big kind of confusers here is that they've moved so many things around. And so if you've been here on a regular basis for a number of years, you look around and you go, wait a minute, where'd they go? You're thinking maybe they're not here. Well, they just moved to a different area, and uh, they're, they're really here. They've been here all along. So, so you, you know, it's a, 
in, in very in very I'm beginning to think of this year's uh, Sun and Fun as a in baseball we call it a rebuilding year, um, a year when you are making you're you're, in, you're beginning the process of reinventing what you do. And uh, you don't do it all in one year. You do a little bit this year, and then you assess what those changes did, and then you make some more changes the following year. Um, one of the most dramatic changes they made this year was what they did to Paradise City, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But uh, I, I think they're not nearly done with, with that process, and that's sort of an example of, of this is a, a rebuilding year in some regards. This has been a great sun and fun. Um, the crowds have been great. The products have been great. The uh, shows have been great. The weather's been great. What else is going on here? Let's see. Uh, um, any announcements? Uh, uh, again, David, you're the one who really was like working this week. We were all just having fun. But uh, any announcements that uh, that were of note that you you saw here this week? Well, looked at a couple of new airplanes. Uh, the Pipistrelle folks were here with their Alpha Trainer, uh, Just Aircraft, which is an experimental and light sport manufacturer out of South Carolina. They've been working really hard with their uh, Super Stole. Uh, it's not even a prototype. It's a, a customer's airplane that he built. Uh, this is an airplane that will get on and off the ground in about twice its fuselage length. Um, flies remarkably slowly. And we, the way they drop it in tail first, you worry that it's going to hurt something. And it doesn't bounce. It just soaks it up. And they stop and roll around and start it all over again. Uh, the changes in Paradise City, well, we've got somebody here that can talk to that pretty well, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just joining us now on the deck is uh, a good pal of ours, a, a regular visitor to our virtual hangar, is uh, Dan Johnson. The uh, And I'm sorry, I apologize, I always get the... Is it chairman and or president of uh, Light Aircraft, Aircraft Manufacturers Association? Well, that's a lot of fancy titles, but officially it's both of them, if you have to know. Yep. And uh, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Great to be back with you guys. You always do a great job, and... Uh, I think we've gotten to do this sort of wrap-up thing with you a few years in a row I now. Know. And I always ma- look forward to it. And a ma- it can as- get to be a habit. <laughs> and habit. As a matter of fact, it was just a year ago here on this deck that you first started to tell us about the planned changes at Paradise City, and uh, now we've had our first year's worth of fly-in uh, with those changes. To, uh, tell us, kind of give us a summary of what was changed for people who aren't, haven't been uh, paying attention, and how did it go? Well, it was a, uh, thanks for asking, it was a, um, uh, a a year of a lot of activity. I have to say, started out not great because we weren't too sure with what was going to happen and we didn't know how we were going to deal with it. Uh, a lot of what occurred in Paradise City started because of actions by TSA and their desire to put big black fences around all our airports uh, to keep the bad guys out and all that. That required a road near the fence so they can go around and check that no bad guys have made holes in the fence to get in. So there's a new road that goes through Paradise City. And at first, we were kind of dismayed, A, about the fence, B, about the road, which goes way down deeply into what used to be Paradise City, and still is. And, uh, you know, it's funny how things work out. First of all, uh, the fence didn't happen. It will, I'm sure, in the future, but didn't. When it does, they have promised a very large opening uh, equivalent to the entire frontage area that the LSA Mall currently has, so you really won't notice the fence too badly. Uh, and maybe it won't happen, who knows? But uh, and even if it does, not so bad. But meanwhile, the road that goes along with that fence has proven to be not a problem, but a enormous benefit. It leads you right smack into the middle of the whole Paradise City area, and at the base of the curve in the road that is there now, you're uh, only about 100 feet away from the runway, which is kind of one of the central attractions of that area. So that's one of two major things that happened there. Uh, I should uh, give some credit to Bill Canino of Sport Air USA. 
He is an importer of these aircraft and very active in that, but his prior career was that of an architect. So we were able to tap his architectural ability to uh, assist the Sun and Fun organizers with the layout of that area, and he created a very attractive, airy uh, layout that uh, gave more room for exhibitors, and I'm pleased to report that Sun and Fun was able to sell nearly all exhibit spaces, almost doubling the number of exhibitors from last year. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I've been down there, and I have some sense of this, but you tell us, did uh, the attendees find the area? Was it, was it, what was going on down there? What did it feel like? Uh, they certainly did find it. It was easy to get there by a variety of new ways. One of the other roads that came in was another paved road down through what might be called the vintage area. So that was an easy walk from the core area over here in the center of here, Sun and Fun. And uh, that and trams and a couple of little golf carts that we were able to hire thanks to the support of Rotax aircraft engines uh, made regular trips. Uh, they did keep a tally on them, but it's uh, easily fair to say they brought literally thousands of people into the area uh, to see Paradise City and then transported them back to wherever they might have wanted to be at the beginning. So that's a, a nice extra way to get there in addition to the footpaths. They made some runway improvements as well, did they not? They did, and that was uh, triggers one of the other comments about the uh, the fly-all-day business. I'll come back to that after answering your question, Dave, but it, was, uh, it has always been a 1,400-foot runway, and it still is. That has always been long enough for these aircraft, plenty long enough uh, for all of them that operate out of there. However, if an error in judgment happens, once in a while it does, and a pilot came up short or ran long on takeoff, there used to be a couple of rather ugly ditches on each end, and you didn't want to go there if you could avoid it, but, you know, once in a while these things happen. And uh, those are sadly, uh, those are happily, I should say, completely gone. Sad for the ditch, but good for us. <laughs> well, the ditch is still there. It's a nice big concrete culvert now, so the so the stuff still flows okay. like it always did, but mm-hmm. now we don't have to look at it. And the there stuff. is stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. It uh, is now 2,400 feet of open area. You don't want to land in those overruns, just like the X-Doff area uh, on approach to many runways around the airport. But they're there if something goes wrong, and it would be a lot better than what had been there before. And those will just get smoother over time, too. But they're there now. And that allowed us to do something that I've never seen at any major air show anywhere I've, I've gone in my whole career. And that was to fly during the main air show. Yeah. A lot of flying happening down, happened down there this week, this year, this week. Yeah, Light's announced in his uh, closeout ceremony uh, in the media center just a couple hours ago that uh, just yesterday alone there were more than 600 operations over there. Uh, and that tops anything they've seen in more than a decade. And it was pretty much that way all week long. And it's you got back to be part to of like that, too. Getting back to uh, the levels that we used to see uh, 10 years earlier than that when yeah, might have 600 operations in the morning. That's right. And, and you know, an equally kind of strange mix. When they started, they've also, because they've also attracted uh, or placed rotorcraft in that area. Now, not the big heavy helicopters. They're still over in uh, Choppertown. But lighter helicopters and all the gyros are now operating there. So you've got gyros, weight shift, fixed-wing aircraft, powered parachutes, uh, genuine 103 ultralights, uh, backpack parachute guys, the uh, paraglider fellows, uh, everybody operating there. Now, the, the ones that go really slow, the powered parachutes and paragliders, they operate morning and evening. That's when they want to operate anyway, and they kind of have it to themselves then. But during the day, we were seeing, at first they didn't do it because they didn't know how it was going to go. There was a lot of new changes for the folks there. But they, we had helicopters. Uh, genuine helicopters and gyrocopters operating with fixed wing and weight shift all at the same time and i'm really happy to say with complete safety so a lot of credits to the 186 volunteers that make that area work that's great 
Uh, tell us about uh, any any interesting announcements in the uh, light aircraft area this year. Uh, new products or updated products or that kind of thing. Well, not so many in the new product announcements, uh, but some uh, some arrivals of ones that we'd heard about and knew about from uh, uh, previous knowledge, although we hadn't seen them yet. One was the uh, beautiful little biplane. Uh, seaplane, the Super Petrel LS, uh, did a lot of flying. It's been flying off some 40 hours for experimental exhibition as they complete their light sport aircraft uh, approval process. Uh, so they couldn't make a showing at Sebring three months ago, but they were here now and it was looking good. Uh, I heard Dave mention earlier the uh, uh, Just Aircraft Highlander Super Stole. It's been take, been wowing everybody. It and really taking is up a, a few yeah. of us. And, yeah. I, it, yeah. Did you get to fly it? I got week? to fly yesterday and it's just like Dave described. It's it looks like this hairy, extreme, uh, uh, you know, like grabbing a tiger by the tail airplane. When you get inside, it's just a little pussycat. It's the easiest flying airplane I think I've ever been <laughs> well, in. Well, I think that's a quote they're going to want from their brochure, right? You know, it's just a little pussycat, Dan Johnson. Uh, so, uh, David, you agreed you had fun flying that airplane? It was amazingly light to handle. Uh, the know, super you, stall. Yeah, yeah, you look at it and you you think, well, that's a brute of an airplane, and it's going to be heavy uh, on the stick. It's uh, you, you, you're going to have to wrestle it around a little bit, and it was complete opposite of that. Yeah. It was a two finger airplane. Yeah. It's nothing like it looks, and it, it, it looks very cool. That's not a negative at all. It doesn't look bad. It just looks sort of gnarly. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> man, you get in it, and it's like. Hey, no problem. Stick all the way back. I mean, as far back as you can pull it, and you just let it stay that way all the way to the ground. Yeah, yeah. And nothing happens. Gnarly, Dan Johnson. Uh, <laughs> David, you got to fly another uh, LSA down there uh, this year, the uh, Pipistrel. What was that like? The Alpha Trainer? Uh, also very light on the controls, very smooth, uh, amazingly quick for only 80 horsepower. Uh, we were seeing 106, 108 knots uh, uh, cruising speeds on about 3.6, 3.7, and we were loaded to gross weight. But it, that's still pretty light. That's the beauty of these aircraft. Well, it's a 1328-pound airplane, uh, but it's all class. The full-span ailerons are inordinately responsive. No adverse yaw, though. You could uh, you could do rolls to about forty five degrees with your feet flat on the floor and the and the ball just wiggled a little bit as you rolled in. Um, quiet, nice visibility. Uh, you could put about fifty pounds of luggage in it uh, if you, if you pack it right, and it'll carry five hundred pounds plus with full fuel. So that's going to be a nice little trainer airplane, sturdy and, pre and pretty affordable too. Yeah, under a hundred thousand. Okay. Under 100000 and it comes the way it comes. Okay, it's not an airplane you can load up with a lot of options. They, they equipped it and packaged it to maximize their buying power. Uh, you got some electronic, uh, uh, what do you, primary flight display, thank you. Uh, electronic engine instruments, uh, airspeed tachometer combinations, analog and digital, uh, radio transponder, uh, you're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got to take a break in a couple of minutes here, but uh, Dan, have they been talking yet about any further changes to Paradise City? Any tweaks? Any fine tuning uh, for next year? 
Uh, yeah, procedures, I think, will uh, probably change a little bit because of what they learned this year as they uh, they started yeah. out really kind of clamped down at the beginning of the week. And, and even FAA came over and visited opening day going, oh, we don't know about you guys flying during the main air show. That scared the daylights out of everybody because we've been promising everybody and their uncle that it was fly all day. Indeed, FAA looked at, looked at the procedures and went, you got it, mm-hmm. do it. So they were really tight at first. I won't say they loosened up to be cowboys by the end of the week, but they relaxed as they saw that everybody followed the rules and did what they were supposed to do. So more of that. I think there'll be some uh, logistical changes about uh, you know parking and porta potties and stuff like that. That's kind of boring, but pretty important when you have those needs. And otherwise, I would say uh, the grass is going to fill in more uh, where they scraped a new road, and uh, I, I predict that they will completely sell out of exhibit space and need to add more. And I think we'll fly even more because now. Uh, people know what they didn't know when they got here at the beginning of the week. They didn't know about the little carts that would take you there. At first, that was a little slow. Then they started filling up. And right, I think they had a dedicated visiting, shuttle for that area. Right, two of them, two golf carts running back and forth constantly all day long. And at first, people kind of looked and, and didn't, you know, they asked how much to ride over there. So people just didn't get it. And when they started getting it, wow, they were busy after that. Again, uh, a lot of shout-out to volunteers for manning those uh, carts all week long, and uh, yeah, couldn't do it without the volunteers. Any chance that our friends up the road in Wisconsin will uh, will learn from this inspiration? And uh... well, we did have some conversations during the week, and there's nothing that I know that I could reveal now. But my feeling is that yes, there will be some changes. There were already some discussion of some changes to enhance the light aircraft sector that I pay attention to, and I think what they saw here may have inspired them further in that direction. But uh, We'll have to see what happens when we get there. Uh, surely not in time for this year because it's only three months sure. away, but uh, yep. maybe yeah. for 2014. Keep yeah. your eyes open. Great. Thank you, Dan. Dan Johnson, the head guy at LAMA, the Light Air- Aircraft Manufacturers Association. Have I got that right? That's correct. And uh, thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Uh, we're going to be back in uh, a few minutes with uh, another segment. We'll be talking about a few more specific uh, products and programs and activities we've seen here this year at Sun and Fun. Uh, 2013. You're listening to a special episode of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast on Sun and Fun Radio. I'm Steve Chase, and you're listening to Sun and Fun Radio, WPEP 788, 1510 a.m. in Lakeland, Florida, and on the web at www.liveatc.net forward slash SNF. Hey, hi, we're back here uh, on the uh, deck at Sun and Fun Radio 2013. And uh, I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm here with my two good friends, Jeb Burnside, Dave Higdon. We're giving, bringing you a, Jeb loves it when I say this, a very special episode of the Uncontrolled Airspace <laughs> Podcast. Um, From yes, Jeb's indeed. favorite program yes, of his youth. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the president of the fan club. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, yeah. I, I, I served my time for that, so yeah. don't, you, know, you didn't have to bring that up. Oh, sorry. I know. I think you got pardoned, didn't you? I, 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 I'm not really able to discuss it. Uh-huh. Now, I, I don't want you to be concerned, all right, but I think this lady out here, oh, wait, she's not even looking here. I think this lady right here is following us. <laughs> All right. I see here a lot of places I, I go. I know, huh? This is a very, very, uh, a lady who has become a friend of ours. Uh, we first met uh, Patricia Storm about three or four years ago uh, up at the uh, fly-in up the road in Wisconsin uh, uh, during one of our live broadcasts there. She came up and said hi to us and, and told us her story, which was um, as a, a, a somewhat 
mature adult uh, was uh, beginning flying lessons and was learning how to fly. And, uh, and we've met with her a number of times over the years, and she keeps coming up and updating us. And, and about a year or so ago, she told us that she had passed her private and uh, became a, pi- a pilot. And you bought an airplane. What kind of airplane did you buy? A Piper Tomahawk. And so she fly- you flew it 100 hours in the past year. Is that what you told me? Yeah. Outstanding. That's terrific. So uh, it's great to see you again, Pat. We appreciate your stopping by. So the, uh, the, a lot of products, uh, although there weren't a lot of kind of dramatic announcements here this year at Sun and Fun, there are a lot of products and airplanes. A fast one. Yeah. Flying catfish. It, <laughs> you better tell Piaggio. Us. Piaggio. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was standing out on the flight line Saturday morning waiting for the gates to open for the balloon uh, uh, launch, and that airplane was parked by the side, and I was just chatting with strangers that were wandering by, and there was one guy in particular who just like, kept repeating over and over again, that's a strange-looking airplane. He just like, that's a strange-looking airplane. And it is a little bit of a strange-looking airplane. At first, you're tempted to think it might be a Starship, but it's not. It's, no, it's, no. it's not nearly as sleek if, and If you sexy. were to bet on that configuration, if you saw that configuration, going over and you were to bet whether that was a starship or, or a, or a uh, 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 P-180, uh, you'd be better off betting the P-180. Okay. Yeah, there's not many of those other ones around not anymore. anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. And, and the 180's still in production. Yeah, it is, but you also have to give the starship its due because the 180 probably wouldn't be here if the starship hadn't come into fruition. That's true. Why do you say that? Because of the design, mm-hmm. the, the, it, it, the twin pusher prop canard um, kind of proof of concept make people comfortable with exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, and explain the flying catfish. The flying catfish. If you look at it from the right angle, with the with the canard that kind of droops a little bit, and the the very sloped windshield and whatnot, it looks like a catfish. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to go back again now, and, uh, and I may be standing there going, "This is a weird airplane." I don't know. Okay. Uh, lots of airplanes here this week. Uh, one we were talking about earlier on the episode earlier this week that David has been just kind of, well, we 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 like this airplane. I like it a lot. I think everyone likes this airplane. The uh, the black uh, uh, amphib out here, Jeb, that we're talking Town. about, the Cape right. Town, right. and uh, don't it, go there again. <laughs> no, you're well. Actually, they're gone now. Look at that; it's untied completely. That's now. why I said, "Don't go there." Ah, again. okay. So uh, we were a little troubled by the way it was tied down earlier in the week, but it's not tied down at all now, and so I guess they're getting ready to move it out of here. To, that's supposed to be better. What? No, it is, well, it's not tied down at all. You, you should have seen how it was tied down. It might be. It wouldn't. It, it might not be worse. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Okay. And uh, but it looks like maybe they're getting ready to move it. It's that time of day. It's that time of week. So uh, a cool airplane, though. Um, that's the as I mentioned earlier, the float version of the uh, Valor that I've talked about on the podcast in the past. And we've had the Vega sitting out here in front of us yeah, from you, Brazil. You call it Vega? Is it really? Is that how you say it? That's how they it's say it. Spelled Vega. W. That's only if you do it in English. Okay. The, you tried the Vega. it in Portuguese. Have you learned anything more? about this airplane, David? Uh, They're working on getting it from here, and uh, it it is a fast puppy. They've had a lot of interest. They've had a lot of traffic. Uh, And the more I look at it, the more I see the Falco resemblance in it. Uh, Just sorry that we didn't get a chance to to get a little stick time in it. A couple of other interesting things here. A company from Italy, uh, MW Motors, they debuted a new line of engines that have been available in Europe for a while Mm -hmm. uh, with some interesting technology out of the automotive world. Overhead cam, direct cam to valve top uh, contact, no rockers. 
They use a kind of caps and shims similar to what Kawasaki uh, pioneered on some motorcycles years ago uh, with variable compression ratios, which I thought was kind of the same kind of magic as variable cam timing. Uh, they've been getting a steady flow over there. Mm-hmm. I, so now... I, being a software guy, what you just said to me basically came out like you know, like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wow, wow, wow! But I, I, and and for those like me who don't understand the details of what, you, what what's the virtue of that kind of stuff? Does it make it cheaper or better performance? Or uh, they're saying that it helps it. Uh, it helps them optimize the performance. It's fuel injected. It's all computer controlled, uh, and in running at low speeds and uh, low load. It uses a lower compression ratio. Horsepower is lower. Then when the demand is there, the compression ratio goes up. The power goes up. Um, And uh, I'm not sure what the benefit is beyond that, but uh, they were very excited about it. More more power for a given uh, uh, number of BTUs and... uh uh, a lot more efficiency, uh, especially at lower power settings. As you, as you that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, one thing I want to talk about here, and and well, I'm just going to. Dave and I were the recipients of a, of a, a great boon this morning, and uh, I want to talk about this real quickly. Um, we uh, were gifted from a, a dear friend of ours uh, an opportunity to go ride with the uh, Aeroshell uh, Honda Acro team this morning, and uh, and. Jeb and I did that a couple of years ago, and uh, Dave and I did it this morning, um, and uh, very, very cool. You, you know, you're the old ha- you know. From, this is especially cool for me because I don't get a lot of these kinds of rides. David, over the years, you've gotten a lot of these kinds of rides. How did this compare? Uh, it was every bit as much fun as some of the others. For me, it was more enjoyable because I decided this time I was going to leave the camera on the ground. I was going to sit there as a pilot and pay attention to the control inputs, what the instrument readings were, the ent- entry speeds into the loop, a formation loop, what, the t- what it was at the top, what the G meter was reading, uh, the, the, the uh, vertical speed indicator as we we're setting up these maneuvers. Uh, and uh, I don't think there's anything comparable to doing a loop and a wing over about two feet off the tail of another airplane. Boy, I'll tell you, and I have total trust in these folks. They know what they're doing, and I, I have no doubt that it was totally safe. But as a as a regular old private pilot, the idea of being that close to another airplane was just you know you never get quite get past that. Being you know? that being that close to another airplane in flight is one thing. Being that close to another airplane in flight upside down yeah. is quite another. Yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah, it uh, really is. I, I was in the airplane that was in the slot position, which is kind of the the rear center. So there were airplanes really close in front of us and to the left and right and uh, and it was it was disconcerting enough when we were just flying straight and level and just like you said I had that that same you know when we were you know, we were kind of on the vertical of that first loop and I'm looking at these other planes and you know and you get the disorientation of being at this unusual attitude and these other airplanes are right nearby and oh okay it's, you know so just put that out of your mind and enjoy the experience you know look to the left so you can see the horizon that kind of thing it was a lot of fun and we we, we are really grateful both to the to the uh, Aeroshell Honda and all their other sponsors people as well as our friend uh, Jim who who gifted this to us it was uh, very very generous of him and uh, yeah that that one just uh Stop me cold. Yeah, so. that was that was a good thing. Yeah, so so that was a lot of fun, and I'm, I, I bet this is going to be fodder for the podcast for a little while to come. We'll be, probably be talking more about that as time goes on. 
What else? Uh, we talked about airplanes. Avionics is always a big deal here at these shows. Um, I, I was commenting earlier that I felt like, uh, not just here, but it, at, during these days, uh, tablets are really, really... I mean, they've, they've clearly been a thing for a couple of years now. Um, more so than ever, we're seeing a lot of tablet uh, software products, um, and, and, but not necessarily... You know, certificated, you know, things that you can kind of use in, you know, as primary IFR tools and things like that. But what I would char- what I characterized earlier as experimental avionics or experimental software. Well, you're not going to see too many portable products um, um, used as as certified primary VFR navigation equipment. Um, the one thing that has occurred, of course, uh, over the years, the FAA has embraced the concept of electronic charting. And uh, there's, you know, official guidance on that, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, you can't swing a dead cat around here without hitting somebody who's, who's offering some kind of electronic charting solution. But that's not really the news. The news is the number of vendors who are leveraging ADSB data and, yeah. uh, and using uh, uh, tailor-made hardware, uh, which, is coming, uh, which is becoming rather ubiquitous around the site, uh, to get ADSB out um, I'm sorry, ADSB in information into the cockpit for little to no money, mm-hmm. uh, all things considered. And this is, uh, I, you know, has to be officially con- termed a good thing. Right. For people who might be a little confused about the difference between ADSB in and out, can you just kind of give us an example of ADSB a- in AD- information? ADSB in information, uh, at this stage anyway, uh, mainly includes uh, real time weather information. Uh, and uh, can include uh, real-time traffic information near the aircraft when it's airborne. Um, there's some nuances involved in, in how and when traffic gets displayed, which products it's displayed on, etc. Uh, ADSB out is the equipment that uh, must be installed to access certain airspace by the year 2020, uh, which basically would replace your current mode C transponder today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, a, a lot of uh, in-cockpit kind of moving map navigation mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Uh, it's, ama- it's amazing what they can do with software once you have just a little bit of data coming in. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully the data, I mean, that's a whole story in itself that this data continues to be available, you know, in a, in a, in a, a reasonably priced way. And, uh, well, and Jeb really hit on something here. Yeah. The, the, the proliferation of ADSBN devices, which don't have to be certified to right. be useful. Right, And... We're seeing more and more of those. ADSB in the United States got set up on kind of a strange hybrid system. All the other countries in the world are using the same 1090 frequency as our mode S and mode C transponders with something called extended squitter for some traffic data. You can say that on the radio. Huh? You, can, you can say that. I'll say it again. Extended squitter. But the really juicy part of ADSBN is on 978 megahertz. Uh-huh. So the FAA created this 978 universal access transceiver. Uh, it will broadcast the out, and you receive the really juicy parts. That's the weather and traffic that Jeb, Jeb was talking about. Uh, 1090ES is required above 18,000. Below 18,000, you get your choice. But they don't talk to one another. They depend on the ground stations to relay the 1090 ES to a 978 cockpit. Uh, the 1090 N can't get everything the 978 does. Well, a lot of these new N receivers are combining the two together. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's been a little hitch in the uh, in 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 the rollout of the ground stations. Not all of them are repeating all of the traffic information, so that the 978 guys get the 1090 picture. And unless they're all in the same receive frequencies, you can't get it direct. So by putting them together in one box, you kind of bypass the necessity mm-hmm. of the ground station to hear both. And, you know, I know Jeb's a big fan of staying out of the way of other airplanes. Exactly right. The, the way the FAA set up the ADSB uh, out traffic information uh, originally, or I should say still is, um, to require the aircraft receiving the traffic information to also broadcast its, its traffic position. Um, through some software and uh, workarounds, uh, whenever that ground station transmits the position of other aircraft, it's automatically received now by the the um, ADSBN equipment, even if it's uncertified, even if it's you know oh, okay. uh, non-participating that's, aircraft. That's okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so th- this basically takes the ground station out of the loop, right? And and you can get direct. Uh, from a 1090ES or a 978 uh, You're, you're not going to get all the traffic. Uh, there may be traffic around you that uh, is participating that you don't see because you're not participating. Right. But you will get more than you got before. Mm-hmm. A lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Another avionics uh, uh, firm that uh, we've been watching for a few years now has c- jumped out at me uh, today, um, and that is Aspen Avionics. Uh, Aspen, Did they scare you? Yeah, well, no, they didn't scare me, but they impressed me. Um, they appeared on the scene not all that long ago, three, four years ago or something like that. Yeah, it's been about, it's been almost 10. Has it really? About 11 they, now. They, they came on my radar, so to speak, about, about three, four, five years ago with a really interesting, elegant little product that was a, uh, a little drop-in uh, 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 screen uh, for... Or, uh, you know, uh, well, it was a certified vertical speed indicator right. that also had a display that could show other things. Right, and this was the product that would drop, would would slot into two of, or you know two spaces on your on your panel. Oh no, you're talking about the evolution system. Yeah, right, I'm right. thinking about the very original. No, product. no, no. I'm talking about the. I'm talking about the. Oh more yeah, ones. the evolution system and, was a and. Good. and from Big the very change. beginning, I think everyone thought that was a pretty cool solution, and uh, we're embracing it. And it, they've really, really taken off with this. They they have become, you know, a very, very visible uh, player and with lots of interesting products. A big, big splashy booth over there in one of the exhibit halls, and uh, some cool stuff that they're now they're you know they're touting you know two and three of these devices side by side uh, in the in your panel, and uh, you can put in their uh, I think they call it the pilot the the Evolution One Thousand pilot. Uh, then the Evolution 1000 multifunction display, hook them together. They both have built-in GPS receivers to help them with position and attitude. They both have built-in batteries in case the system fails. Their attitude and air sensors are all built in. And if one fails, the other one can pick up the load of both, which makes that a really attractive solution. Your, your pop culture reference for the day, though, every time I think about Aspen Avionics, I think of the Claudine Langer Invitational. Uh, you'll have to Google that one. But, uh, okay. Uh, no, but Aspen, I think, is, has really kind of set a, a market niche uh, for uh, that, those kinds of add-on avionics. And uh, I think, as we talked earlier, um, we've, we've seen other traditional manufacturers like Garmin come by and say, hey, you know, we can do that, too and compete with Aspen. Uh, Free Flight, I think, is another manufacturer who's, who's uh, coming up with uh, uh, innovative 
add-on avionics uh, for this market. People sometimes don't want a full glass panel. They want to upgrade the, the, st the steam gauge panel they have. And Aspen uh, has, has been a market leader in that effort. Yeah. Not having to do with uh, in-flight uh, electronics, but uh, I was noticing this year a lot of uh, flight simulator products. Uh, some some are on the on the on the end of the range of, of being games, and others are full-blown training uh, tools. Um, we're seeing just a lot of them now. I'm, I guess maybe I'm noticing them because they're all setting up here now with multiple screens. You'll see them in a booth in one of the exhibit halls, and they'll have a setup with a you know kind of a, a, a real stick or yoke um, and rudder pedals and like five monitor screens in front of them wrapping around the person and uh, just seems to be a lot of the software uh, once upon a time there were only a couple of these flight sim products in the world and there seems to be a lot of them now I, I wonder if that's just because the computers have become powerful enough to do it or is there some other reason driving that the the, the improvements in that field that's a lot of it I think the, the screen technology has has gotten so good and so cheap that it's uh, um, economical yeah as an entertainment device in, or, or perhaps even as a training device to uh, have that kind of a setup. Certainly the processors, uh, but again, I come back to the software. Mm -hmm. Software's gotten so much better over the last few years, whether it's in cockpit, in, in, on your PDA, uh, your personal electronic device, or, or your uh, home simulator. And the processing power just continues yeah, right. to, to grow. I mean, when you think about the computers that we were using just 10, 12 years ago that might not have a, a mega memory, and now we're carrying around phones and tablets right. with 16 and 32 gigabytes of memory. Uh, it's all been uh, along on the ride, but Jeb's particularly on the money about the display technology. Uh, you can put together a couple of 35-inch, 36-inch flat panel monitors and have almost a wraparound. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can, you can. This next subject, I possibly, I, perhaps I'm bringing this up as a hint to my friend Jeb for the next time I'm down here visiting him in Florida. I stopped by the uh, Island of the Bahamas booth in one of the halls and uh, was chatting with the gentleman about the process, how you go about, how difficult is it from a paperwork pr uh, standpoint to uh, fly from, from Florida over to the Bahamas. And uh, it's interesting. It's not as hard as you might think. Uh, there it's, are some steps. But. It's not as hard as you might think, uh, but... Um the, the difficulties arise not from the Bahamian side, from the U.S. side is where the, the difficulties well, arise. Well, I hadn't thought of it that way. You're right. I, I know from traveling internationally for my work from time to time, sometimes coming home is a little bit more, more anxiety-producing. Right. Than, right. Than um, the, the basic uh, punchline is um, um, if you're leaving the United States in a private aircraft, you have to get what basically is a pre-clearance pre to do so. You file electronically with the uh, custom service. I don't know what it's called now. It's changed names a couple of times. Um, over a, a website called EAPIS, E-A-P-I-S, uh, in, in which you uh, have to list your uh, manifest, pilot and passengers, um, various other associated information with that. Uh, once you do so at least an hour before your departure time, uh, you're, you're good to go unless someone says otherwise. Uh, coming back into the States, same procedures apply. Um, and I think you can do it within 24 hours, but no less than an hour before your, uh, the, the time you intend to cross the border. Um, and then, of course, you still have to land at a customs uh, point of entry 
and be cleared and then proceed right. on to your destination yeah. if that point of entry is not your destination. Yeah. I was off headsets here for just a moment, but a, a listener was just telling me that this IAPIS, IAPIS system is for fl uh, flying into Canada as well. I, I believe that's true. Yeah. Anytime you take a private aircraft out of U.S. airspace with the intent of landing at in, in uh, an international airport. Mm -hmm. So you know, if you, if you left Florida and went to San Juan, Puerto Rico, I don't think you'd have to deal with it. But if you left uh, Fort Lauderdale and flew over to Bimini, which is about 40 nautical miles, uh, you still have to do, go through this. Yeah, that's the, you know, uh, that was the, the revelation to me a while back was that uh, um, one time when I was down here, we flew down to Key West uh, for an afternoon. And, uh, and I was looking at a chart realizing that the flight out to the Bahamas is really just about the same, not an awful lot further than, uh, than flying to Key West. Well, Bimini is, is uh, uh, some, I hope to be able to do that here in the very near future, actually. But uh, Bimini is, is, I think, in many ways, closer <laughs> than Key West, yeah. uh, depending on where you're starting from. Yeah, yeah. But from flying from from Sarasota area to yeah. the two, it's just about the same. It's, yeah, it's very, it would be very comparable. Yeah, very comparable. Well, it, something about the Bahamians' efforts too that's worth pointing out here. Uh, this year, for the second year in a row, they helped host uh, a little social event for the light sport people. Now, why would you host a social event yeah. for the light sport people unless you were letting the light sport people fly their airplanes to you, to your islands? And they're one of the exceptions in the international community right now that recognizes the sport pilot ticket and the light sport aircraft mm -hmm. category. Uh, you don't have to be a private pilot. You don't have to have a certified airplane. You can fly under the same conditions and terms that Jeb was describing, but you can fly your light sport over to the Bahamas and have a, a, a visit, and they're very anxious for people to understand that. So you can fly your light sport as a sport pilot? Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, well, yeah as, as a sport pilot, you can have a private or commercial, obviously. Yeah, obviously, yeah. You but still fly the light sport. Two other things real quickly on... Uh, uh, customs and, and going to and from the Bahamas. First of all, the, the Bahamian uh, Ministry of Tourism has done a very, very good job over the last several years in, in promoting um, uh, general aviation transportation to and from the Bahamas. Uh, it's, at least on the Bahamian side, it's as seamless and painless as, as they can make it. They, they, they've uh, gone the extra mile in trying to smooth out this, this bumpy road for some people. Second thing, though, is this EAPIS thing, real quickly, I want to go back to it. First of all, you have to pre-register for it. You can't just say, hey, I want to go to Bimini today and, and pop online. So you pre-register once. You pre-register once and uh, put your information in as the pilot in command or the aircraft operator or whatever. Um, the second thing is, unless you want to pay a, a fine and or a fee on the spot coming back, you have to get an annual decal to put on your aircraft or your boat for that matter. Um, from the custom service, and that's twenty-five dollars, twenty-nine dollars. Mm -hmm. I forget. Well, I, I just got a new one uh, for my airplane. So it's it's not again. Uh, it's pretty seamless in the bah in the Bahamas. It's not so seamless with the U.S. government. Yeah, um, we got only a couple more minutes, but quickly, David. Um, LSAs to Bahamas, yes. LSAs yes. to Canada. Don't believe so. Uh, okay, I'm not sure about that one either. But uh, I'm, I remember it's been two or three years ago at uh, that uh, air show up the road. Uh, where they, uh, where the Bahamian government made a big splash. And I remember that. Yes, about uh, LSAs can use their airspace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In registered LSAs, anyway. Right. Reaching the end of our allotted time here. Um, so, what are we up for? We're reaching uh, the the end of Sun and Fun 2013. Uh, we've got just a few hours left here. Um, any particular plans for this afternoon or shopping? 
I've already, I've already, <laughs> so, I've already dropped some some cash here this afternoon. Uh, yeah, this I was over so, the uh, the oil vendor over there. Yeah, and they now have, I don't know if they've done this for a while, but Where, I noticed they have a that, sign up that says "Where's Jab?" Yeah, no, well, almost. But they have a whole section of the booth. They have their nice, beautiful booth for most of the booth, and then they've got like a eight or ten foot section that's just stacks of cases of oil. Right, right. Uh, because there are a lot of Jebs here apparently well, they, coming they, in to get their oil. I was going to say they know Jebs burn, yeah. buy, burn sides buying. Yeah, really. So uh, anything other than your oil, anything in particular you're going to look for? Uh, no, I bought some tires. I'll have them drop ship to me, uh, tires and tubes. Um, always looking for a good deal on that ADSB solution we talked about for mm-hmm. the, for the uh, tablets. Uh, everything seems to be about $800 and doesn't work with my hardware software choices. So um, you're still kind of shopping around for the right choice on that. Yeah. I'm sorry, David, quickly, anything on your agenda for this afternoon? I'm just going to make a quick tour around uh, a couple of areas that I've not been able to spend as much time as I'd like, uh, kind of wrapping up some loose ends for this uh, this work thing that helps pay to get me here. Yeah. So uh, just a couple of quick things. Oh, and I, by the way, I'm going to do the same thing, use the force, going to wander around, kind of gather the last bits of uh, and pieces of uh, the uh, Sun and Fun 2013 experience. A couple of quick thank yous. Thank you to Dan Johnson for stopping by, as always, and filling us in on the light sport world. Uh, big thanks to the Sun and Fun staff for their hospitality to us here this week and uh, in all the past years we've been here. Um, huge thank you to Dave Shalbetter and all of the staff here at Sun and Fun Radio for their hospitality, for loaning us their gear, for, for trusting us not to abuse their airwaves too badly. Um, we really, really appreciate that. Thank you to my friends. Jeb Burnside's here. Dave Higdon is here. I'm Jack Hodgson. David, you were going to say something? Live long, go fly, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. See you next year. <laughs>